Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. Hi, welcome back. I am here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Abby. It's great to have you on. And now tell us about what religion you left. So I left Mormonism. I grew up Mormon. I was born into it. So only ever knew Mormonism my whole life. And I recently left uh, back in November of last year. So 2020, (laughs) at least officially. So pretty recently, what made you want to leave? It's kind of funny because people will ask what broke your shelf. And for me, I didn't even realize I had one until I started talking about it with a lot of people. I left... I physically was out about 12 years ago when I turned 18. I didn't attend like any services, any kind of activities, things like that once I started going to college. And my entire like 20s were rife with, do I believe this? Do I leave? Do I stay? Maybe I should just stay just in case. And it wasn't until TikTok that I actually really decided, I think I should just resign. I think it's, I, I think I'm ready to say I'm done with this. Um, so TikTok and talking with a, a couple of family members who had left as well made me feel better about the idea of actually leaving. So what was the biggest doctrinal issue for you? Biggest doctrinal issue. Let's see. I think the biggest doctrinal issue I had really did pertain to the LGBTQ community because I am part of that community and I never allowed myself to really recognize that for a long time because I just grew up being taught like that you can't be that. There's no room for that essentially if you want to go to heaven, be with God, all that good stuff. So When I started finally accepting that part of my own self, it was really hard to reconcile what I considered my faith at that time with who I was. It was really, it was, it was hard and it was really heartbreaking to think that this God that I grew up with would essentially disown me, I guess, in a a way, just because of who I am, if he supposedly created me so that was probably a big piece of doctrine that ended up really, it was the first piece of doctrine that I think I can pinpoint saying that was a huge issue for me, or at least allowing myself to recognize it. And I would say we probably started an inner snowball I wasn't recognizing. (laughs) So now you waited several years before you resigned from when you mm-hmm. became a physically out, was there ever a point where you were physically in, mentally out? Probably when I was a teenager. I was that member who wanted really badly to have a strong testimony. I tried so hard all the time to dive in. Like I was reading everything and trying to live by whatever the doctrine said, but I had the hardest time having what I would have considered a strong testimony or what anybody would have considered a strong testimony. So in my teen years, there was definitely a period of time where I was like, I guess I'll be in, I'll be in this, but I just don't know 
if it's really something I believe in, even though I'm trying so hard, that's probably the closest I was ever to like physically in mentally out. But even at the, even at that time I was trying to force myself to be mentally in. So it was like a half and half mentally out, I guess. So what was it like growing up in the Mormon church with like young women? And sometimes that can be pretty sexist. It can be. I do remember doing like personal progress. Like that's something I've reflected on recently and realizing just how sexist that was. And looking back on all the activities and service work that you're supposed to do to accomplish that. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, basically a booklet where you have these goals to that go with like the different values that you're supposed to be attaining to. And I I remember go, being told like, oh, for your progress, personal progress, you should, you know, sew and learn to cook and, you know, write down what you're looking for in a husband, how you can attain that. And at the time, it was weird for me at the time, because I never felt like that person who wanted to go all in on these traditional woman roles, but did because I guess this is what traditional woman roles are. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And looking back, realizing, oh, that's very much grooming you to be like the housewife, the, and that being it, like I'd be the mom and I'd be the housewife. And even though I do that now, it's odd to think that's the only potential people saw in me at such a young age, because <laughs> you start doing that when you're 12 and you're supposed to do that through the, until the age of 18. So those are pretty formative years to basically be taught your only role in life is to be a wife and mom, nothing more. And anything else is just kind of, why would you want to do anything else other than that? So it, I wouldn't say that my experience in young women's was any like different from anyone else. And I would also, I'm getting ahead of myself. My brain's getting ahead of my mouth. (laughs) I wouldn't say that some of those values were pushed on me as hard as other people though, because I didn't have parents who enforced that too hard. Like I was encouraged to go to college. I was encouraged to have a career at least through them. So I think in that respect, I was a little luckier than some people's experience at least. Did you ever get unlucky on the Bishop Roulette will? Oh, unlucky on Bishop Roulette, man. So I feel like I got unlucky most of the time. Like the luckiest I ever got on Bishop Roulette was actually the bishop who had never met me that helped me resign from the church. (laughs) Every other time, it's been so awkward because it was the dads of my friends. (laughs) And going and trying to talk to this person, like you're my friend's dad. And it was always the guys, like the guy friend's dad. And it was just so awkward all the time. I don't know how that worked out, but, oh man, let's see. There was one bishop. This was, it was a young men's dad. He's a very nice guy, but he was very awkward. (laughs) And he, I don't know if his nervousness had anything to do with it, but he would ask, really weird questions. Like I know that Bishop interviews in general have extremely weird and uncomfortable questions, but I had to go see him 
because my friends tattled on me for a sin I did. And then I was, I had to go see him like weekly for a while. And he, yeah, it was ridiculous. He would just ask questions about what happened and then get very invasive about it all and ask like really detailed questions. So I, I have no problem saying it. It was a sexual sin. So it, the questions that he would ask, it was the hows and the whys and the wheres. And I was 14 with my friend's dad. It was the most uncomfortable thing I have, one of the most uncomfortable things I've probably ever been through. And you could almost tell that he was uncomfortable too, but he would just keep asking these detailed questions. And I don't know if it was him trying to get through <laughs> this whole process with two. He was uncomfortable, didn't know what to say. That was probably the worst moment of Bishop Roulette where I was like, great, my friend's dad is the one sitting here talking with me about this sin I wasn't even prepared to talk with you about yet. Fantastic. <laughs> and for anyone who might be Mormon listening, just so you know, snitches get stitches. Right? Oh my gosh. So my mom actually went after the girls who tattled on me. My mom showed up at seminary and like stopped them or like, you girls were so wrong for telling on my daughter. That was not your place. And I was like, thanks, mom. So stitches do get stitches. I've just been waiting for an episode where I can say snitches get stitches. I'm glad I could provide that opportunity for you. (laughs) Um, That's really weird that he would be so uncomfortable and he would just keep asking questions. That's so weird. It was. And some of the questions like, why do you need to know that? Why do you need any of this information? why aren't we talking about ways I can repent? Like, I don't, I couldn't understand it. And when you're 14, like you don't feel like you have any authority over anything. You're just sitting there going, I guess I'll just roll with this. I I have no other choice. I have to do this because I, I got in trouble. You're the adult and you're telling me how to make it better. So I guess this is what we're doing. <laughs> so do you think that that played a part in you wanting to leave as well? I wouldn't doubt it. I think I did a very good job at denying any issues that I had with Mormonism. And that was probably, that probably went onto my shelf and I didn't even realize it. Like when I say I had no idea I even had a shelf, like I felt the it break just last year after I had already decided I think I want to resign. Like I never had an earth shattering moment where suddenly all these issues came tumbling down upon me. (laughs) And that probably was a huge one that I put up there that just never made it to my conscious mind. I was so wrapped up in trying to make it work that I wouldn't let myself look at the reasons why I had to try so hard. If it, you know, if that makes any sense. Because I, I didn't want to end up being wrong. Because when if you end up being wrong, there's so much that you lose. There's so many consequences. And that was, a te- that was terrifying to me. So, you know, it just, it's amazing how much control <laughs> all of that has over you, even when you're not vibing with it at all. 
And it's been an interesting journey to unpack all of that now in my 30s, looking back at teenage me saying, how did you not realize that you needed to get out of there? It was so, it's so glaringly obvious to me now, but really wasn't back then. The indoctrination runs strong, that's for sure. Oh, so deep. It runs so deep. (laughs) Now, after you left, even just physically, but you still had your records in, did you ever feel like you needed to talk to someone like a therapist or? Uh, Surprisingly, no. I actually did start therapy right around when the pandemic started. Totally coincidental on that one, but probably good that I did. And it started off being therapy more related to struggles with postpartum, being a mom and all that stuff. But as I allowed myself to unpack things on TikTok, my therapy started turning more into religious trauma work, which was weird for me because I saw everyone else talking about their religious trauma, talking about the things they were struggling with going, man, that, yeah, I can totally see how that was traumatic for you, how it's so hard. And I never sat and thought that I had religious trauma. I just was like, oh man, I'm really uh, sad for you, but so glad I made it out without trauma. Then I talk about some things in therapy and go, oh, wait, I didn't make it out with tra- without trauma. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, it just so happened that I had therapy in place for when I was apparently ready to really process through it. And I will say that has been very helpful for me personally to have that in place because there are things that just hit you out of nowhere that you didn't realize you were holding on to. And it's been helpful for me to have somebody to unpack all of that with. So before now, I'd never tried therapy, but having it in place when I was finally apparently ready to process through it was, I'm really glad that I had it available to me. So now how has your life been better since you've been out? Oh, well, It's interesting for me because I, before I resigned, I was very like physically out and I allowed myself to do some of those more taboo things that you can't do in Mormonism. Like I had, I'd tried alcohol before, coffee, tea, like all that (laughs) before recently wearing tank tops, all that good stuff. Officially resigning for me brought a very surprising amount of mental freedom. My, I said earlier that my whole like 20s was essentially me going back and forth on, do I believe in this? Do I not? Even if I don't, is it worth it to leave just in case? Because there's so much at stake. But with that, I realized that I was still holding on to a lot of a lot of doctrine, a lot of teachings that felt very controlling. I made a recent video about how the idea of if you think it in your mind, you are it in your heart as far as sin goes. And that has played a really crucial role in just how I've lived my life. And I didn't realize it until I walked away, resigned officially, and was able to take that apart. And now it's, I just feel free to think whatever I think feel whatever I feel and it not mean anything about my character. And so 
realizing how much my mental space was taken up with that kind of thinking, with that kind of very intense control behind it. That is more the change of my life that I've noticed the most is just being myself, thinking how I think without any associated guilt or shame or terror even about what it means uh, about who I am or what's going to happen to me like in whatever afterlife. Yeah. It's amazing how freeing it can be even if you didn't think that it was going to matter that much. Apparently does. And now as we're getting ready to wrap up, is there anything else you want to add? Let's see. The only thing I would add is just if there's anybody out there who is questioning their faith or is concerned about what that journey looks like is to just not be afraid of asking the hard questions about seeking out whatever you need to help understand things and to get those answers because it is worthwhile whatever happens from it. It's worthwhile to feel comfortable in whatever your belief system is and to have truth and knowledge. Um, even if it, if it means staying in your religion or leaving, it's you are worth having that knowledge and having that, what's the word I'm looking for? That certainty behind whatever it is that you're feeling. Because that is what was hard for me is not feeling like it mattered enough for me to look into it more and realizing that it did matter. And I was, I'm worth living a life that feels comfortable to me. So that is probably like the biggest takeaway I could tell other people is you're worth that. So take that journey, even if it's hard. Yeah. So the final question is two parts. So the first part is what, like a lot of Mormons will think of ex-Mormons as like these mean, dishonest, form of Satan people. Those lazy learners. <laughs> what are some misconceptions you think Mormons have about ex-Mormons? And then the second part of the question is, what are three tips you can give to people who are looking into potentially leaving? Uh, views that Mormons have of ex-Mormons. Um <laughs> Goodness. So, I mean, I think the the worst views I've ever seen have been like on TikTok. That there, I've seen people just literally call us like the devils, like the <laughs> which is just baffling to me. I think the general idea that active members have of ex Mormons is that we are on a crusade to burn it all down. And I mean, some people might like that might, because we've been hurt. We have been hurt by this organization. And so rightly, a lot of us have this anger about it, but really all we're doing is trying to share our experiences and our truths. And if that hurts anything for someone else, that's not about us. Like we're not actively trying to hurt anyone. And that I think is what Mormons current members really believe is that we are trying to hurt them back. We're not trying to hurt you back. We're trying to heal our own hurts. But in doing so, it is criticizing something that they love. 
I get it. I get why they would be upset about that. But it just, this is the reality of the situation is something they love has hurt other people. And so they're allowed to talk about it. And I think I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing is that they think that we're trying to hurt them. It's like, no, I'm not trying to hurt you. I just don't want to hurt anymore from what I've been hurt from. So this is what healing looks like. And then the second, the second part was you said three tips for people who are leaving. Uh, for people who are leaving, let's see. When you start questioning, go ahead and look into like the moment you start questioning things. That should be the time that you start looking into where the answers might be for your questions. It took me so long to actually start answering my own questions. I look back and think, I I wasted so much time just not being proactive enough to get the answers I needed to feel more at peace with my life. So whenever you start questioning, I know it's very hard to look for those answers, but go ahead and do yourself a favor and just go and just start looking for resources to answer the questions you have. That would be my number one. Number two, don't be afraid of resources that are not um, sanctioned by the Mormon church. It's not anti-Mormon if it's outside of what the Mormon church has said is like a credible source. Get information on both sides just so that it's more balanced out. And two, I mean, three, (laughs) math is hard. Find people that you feel you can trust with your journey. I know there's a lot of people in the in ex-Mormon life who felt very alone in leaving and questioning in their research. It's a difficult task to take on by yourself. I was by myself for my entire questioning period because I never felt like I had someone I could reach out to and say, I'm questioning this. I don't know what to do. It was all internal and it felt very lonely. So if there's anyone that you think that you can reach out to, or if you're brave enough to go looking for a new community through online sources, social media, things like that, you know, it's very helpful to have someone by your side who can at least say, Hey, you're doing great. Whatever you need, I'm at least here to support you. And I hope that people are able to find that. So yeah, it's not fun to try and do it alone. Thank you for coming on and have a great day. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.